Before we get into today's episode, let me tell you about patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. There, you can listen to episodes two days earlier, as well as get exclusive shows such as So Tell Me, an introspective podcast by my crazy life hosted by Chalfie, the D&D podcast, an entertainment podcast with Delvin Jr. talking about all things pop culture, On Shuffle, a music podcast hosted by Mike Fowler, and much, much more. So go to patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. That's patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. I want to give a special shout out to Patreon producer Mikey Famine, host of the Ben Podcast and Dig on America. Thank you. And I want to drop this thought before we go because I want to give um, all the gentlemen a chance to um, to kind of sit with it and think about it is that um, I Hannah and I and I don't I can't speak for any of us but I know Hannah and I when we listened to Delvin's um, episode one of the reasons that we were disappointed um, wasn't because Delvin had this man on it was because when he was saying the things that he was saying, nobody was pushing back against him. And I don't blame you, Ken, and I don't blame Alex because I completely understand in the moment what was going through your heads, you know, being a guest on Delvin's show. Like, I get it. I truly, truly get it. Um, but it is so important to do things like JD did when he is coming at anybody, anybody of that mindset, when you see them coming at somebody, do not hesitate to step in and let your voice be heard. Listen, you guys know me. I don't need no man to protect me. I probably should because I'm four fucking 11, but I don't need no man to protect me. But it's not about protecting me. It's about somebody else saying to him, hey, bro, what you're saying, it's not fucking true or it's bullshit. Or even if you don't have the stats and I speak to anybody on this, do not be afraid to say, I don't think what you're saying is right. Let me pause this for 10 minutes so I can Google some shit or hold up. I have a friend who's well-versed in X, Y, Z. Let's pull them into this conversation because what, what I saw happening was he was loud and he sounded like he knew what he was talking about. And that happens way too fucking much where we make those assumptions because we don't want to be wrong or we don't want to be this or we don't want to step on somebody's toes. With the way the climate is now, we have got to stop letting these people be the loudest men in the room. And he, and you saw how he acted when the little mixed girl pushed back at him. And then you saw how he acted when somebody like JV pushed back at him. Push back at these people. Do not be, trust me, you, af listen, I guarantee the majority of women are not, or even whoever is not gonna be like, I can't believe you jumped into the conversation. I'm willing to bet, and I don't have statistics, but I'm willing to bet somebody would say, thank you. Not because we needed a defense, but we needed somebody else to be like, what the fuck, bro? Thank and another you. example of this is not even to be like, even a big situation like this, where you're having these heated debates over Twitter or say at your family's dinner table and you're having these debates. But the reason why like, or many reasons why Crystal and I are pushing so hard on the lack of pushback is because we're used to hearing silence all the goddamn time. So another 
casual, very casual example of this is if you're playing any kind of multiplayer game, like Crystal and I frequent Apex Legends. Unfortunately, we like it for some ungodly reason. But there was a <laughs> a popular TikTok that went around of a very common occurrence where uh, she's playing Valorant with her two male friends and they're going, getting on just fine. They get a male random come into their team and the moment he hears her speak in her feminine voice, he starts being a douchebag. So naturally, she's defending herself over Mike. Now, her two male friends haven't said a goddamn word in 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Finally, when the match is done, she addresses the two of them like, what the fuck? Why didn't you say anything? And he's like, I thought you had it handled. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> and she's like, your silence is def is telling. <laughs> So that's why we we love y'all. First of all, we love y'all. But that's why we jump so hard on this because those examples are fucking everywhere. All right, everybody. Welcome back to this amazing discussion with an amazing panel of just normal, everyday motherfucking Americans trying to figure out what we're going to do about this gun problem in the United States. We are talking facts, common sense, dispelling myths, and just having an honest conversation, um, which is what we encourage everybody to do, but have an honest conversation. So we're going to lose a couple of fellas in a little bit. So I want to jump right into this conversation about guns and masculinity and how it is affecting the culture around guns. And I am, you know, anybody can jump in and start this. Let's, I mean, Ken, I know you're going to leave in a few minutes in JV. So let's hear from you two. Um, you know, how do you think, you know, masculinity and definitions of masculinity are affecting our conversation and why America is so obsessed with having and owning a gun. Okay. I'm going to jump in. Cause I don't want to try to have to follow another one of uh, Jermaine's uh, right. monologues. Oh man. You're right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> oops. I just did something on my phone. There. <clears throat> it's as far as masculinity with it, it seems like you can almost track it to like, action movies because it's always like the guys that are like Schwarzenegger, Stallone, all that like doing all the um old action flicks with the with shooting everything up and all that and they've made like parodies of it and all that. Um I don't want to say that's the end on be all of it, but that seems to be part of the route showing like how to be a man. Oh if you can kill 20 people with this gun you know in five seconds you know even tell you john wick and um the born movies and <clears throat> all that it's always male action figures you know uh, action icons heroes doing this so it's that's what you get shown you don't ever see them trying to um negotiate i mean some of the movies don't even set it up to negotiate um, the only one I could think of is um, Liam Neeson's uh, Taken. Mm -hmm. He was on the phone with the person saying, hey, it was your one and only chance. Leave my daughter, leave her friend, get out, or else I'm coming for you. you know? um, which still shows a severe case of masculinity as far as like, I'm going to protect what's mine and I'm just going to try to threaten you over the phone. Yeah. You know? um, but there's there's the whole like I don't know what you call it, penis enemy. People think like oh I got a big gun so you know I must have a big you know big dick and all that. So that was trying to the bigger the gun you know uh, or the opposite effect. I don't know maybe they're trying to make up for something. 
And it's just part of that, you know, extension. I mean, I have trouble seeing it because I'm not a gun person. I don't have a gun. Don't ever plan on having it. <clears throat> um, and if you want to talk about my other weapons, like, like the swords and stuff like that, it's never been about like the biggest weapons, like whatever's functional for what I have to do. You know, like when I was doing stage combat, it's like, okay, I need this weapon for that. I don't care about the size. It's functional. It's what I needed to do. You know, um, but there is a thing like just within the culture, you know, like movies and TV shows. It's always like the guys are coming with the guns and quick to draw. And you rarely see movies with females leads doing that. You know, um, let me ask you this then, Ken. And say, what I, does I, it mean for you to be a man or to be an American man? Like what, what, what does that, what does that mean? What does that look like for you? It's, you know, that's the, I never really thought about it too much because um, I don't have the same, um, like, like Alex said, like in the other podcast with Delvin's, it said about people leaving the house with the hoodie, mm-hmm. you know, not having to worry. I don't have that worry, you know. Um, the worst I would, when I was a kid growing up, you know, the, it was neighborhoods. You know, oh, you're from Fishtown? Oh, you're from Port Richmond? Jump on, you know, type of thing. Right. But it was all like inner city, silly gang, not even gang, just neighborhood rivalry type of thing, you know. Um, so for me, for Mary, it's like, I don't, I just, for me, it's a daily thing of just, I get up, go to work, do what I need to do, come home, um, and worry about <clears throat> the future as far as how things are going to happen for my kids, my stepkids, for friends, you know, like when I see news articles and news things, you know, um, and try to figure out how I can do something to help to fix it. But to be honest, I don't have any power, even though according to someone else, you know, we're, you know, the way he said it, it was like, oh, it's the white people, you know, so it's just us white people. We got to fix our own people. Um, no, we got to fix certain certain white people. <laughs> um, but the, it's, I, you know, I don't really have the experience to the negative experiences. You know, I just all, I want to say white privilege. But because, you know, there's, um, yeah, I grew up, my dad was a cop, but uh, I grew up in, we were poor, you know, even though he was a cop. Um, so we had that. And then when my parents divorced, I had, we were the only divorced family in the school we were going to and stuff. Um, and I don't know if I'm answering your question or not, but it's just. It's, you kind of, yeah, you kind of are. It's, it's, it's not. I feel like there's a lot of you that are not running around here feeling the need to so heavily define themselves as an American man. You're just Ken and you use your, you know, LARPing weapons in a functional manner and you don't feel like you need to own a gun Mm -hmm. to protect your family, yet you're still willing and able to protect your family, Mm -hmm. whatever the fuck that even means Mm -hmm. from... You know, you know the about? only the only time I ever feel like I have to defend myself is I have under my beard my Thor's hammer, mm-hmm. and a lot of people see those symbols and automatically assume 
oh, he's one of those proud boys. He's this or that. You know, like they see the the, the Norse symbolized because these people are grabbing and using them for their own devices. You know, um, so I get conscious. Like I always wear it under my shirt because I want someone to say, "Hey, you're one of the." Yeah, no. Um, it's a great shirt I saw online. It said, "No Nazis in Valhalla." Yeah, that's that sums it up. It's like, no, it's. I can go on. I could go on so much, but there's like. Odin went around the world and fathered all sorts of different people and brought in people. The, the Vikings traveled Russia to America and all that, and they brought people in. And to be honest, you're Norse. You're not a Viking. Viking is something they did. We're all sitting here podcasting. We're not podcastings. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, it's, it's what you do, you know. Um, <clears throat> that's the only thing I ever feel like I have to defend myself in. But as far as being an American you know, whatever. It's just, I'm just here, you know, um, that in sports, I don't like sports. That's people usually tend to go, what? You don't like sports. Are you, are you a guy or what? You know, <laughs> um, you, you absolutely, you absolutely are. They should see you dressed up as a Viking and try to ask you whether or not, I mean, but that shouldn't even be the symbol of it, to be honest. Like that's mm-hmm. like that's sexist too. Um, so last question for you, Ken, and then we'll, we'll, we'll move on to JV, you know, you say that you, I mean, I, it's interesting to me that you feel like you don't have any power because you grew up poor. And there's actually, I, I would encourage, because I feel like a lot of, um, uh, would you say, white people feel that way as well, that this white privilege doesn't kind of, you know, I am fucking broke and I am going through it. There was a great article, I'll find it, that kind of explained it very well. Um, and it was actually titled White Privilege for Poor White People. Um, to kind of understand the nuances of that. But that aside, that's just kind of an educational moment. That aside, what I say to you, what I say to you is like, what would you say to someone with he who should not be named mindset? Because it's pretty rampant what they believe in and how they kind of feel about things. So you are also a father. Um, you know, you are also outraged with the gun violence in this country. So, you know, what would you say to somebody like him that thinks the solution to these problems is, you know, this hard definition of what a man is. Um, men come in all sorts of um, flavors, you know, just generational. You could see, like, perfect example. Um, Dick Van Dyke, mm-hmm. dancer, singer, lay on his feet. The whole nine yards. Back then, he was he was a man. Yeah, people were like, "That's a guy. He could do all this stuff. It's great." You do that today, people are like, "Oh, you know, the the insert derogatory term here." You know, mm-hmm. yeah, we all know which one. I'm not going to say because I don't feel comfortable saying it. Yeah, I don't, don't like saying it. I don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't like saying those words. <clears throat> um, and that that would be number one. It's like you know, you can't say who's manly who's not because of what they do or don't like second law if they're saying something bad about race you know especially like right in front of me or something like that it's like you know hey that's one not cool and address it as i can right there um and especially if it's like what about one of my friends you know i'm a protective person you know so if someone's doing something against one of my friends especially if they're my friends right there or, you know i want to say something um <clears throat> Contrary to my last behavior on another podcast, but it's okay. <laughs> no. Um, but um, 
Yeah, I mean, it just has to be. I, I'd like to say, uh, let me put it this way. I would like to say that the thoughts in my head are that I would go in and correct them and say things. Um, but when the rubber hits the, 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 the ground, you never know, you know, because you don't know, like, the situation like, I might be, my kids might be there, so I don't want to start an argument in front of the kids, you know. Um, I might not have, you know, they may have people with them that, like, you know, it's one of those things, like, I don't know how many people will take them to kick my ass, but I know how many they were willing to use. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's a situational thing, what I would say or do. If it was one-on-one, I would say something 100%, because it's like, I'm not worried about someone going after me like that, you know. Because a lot of these people, I say it like that because not to beat chest beat and all that, but a lot of these people when presented with their facts or let me rephrase that the facts against their facts get react in a inordinate inordinate physical violence, you know, or do it in such a way that almost makes you take the first swing because they like bump into you and get in your face and you know they trigger so it's like you're the one that starts it when you're not um but again i'm not worried about that that part because too much because i'm not i'm just not you know big guy right (laughs) um and know how to handle myself um but like for the person there i mean i I seriously think that if you were one-on-one across the table from him having some conversation calling that person out on their bs I would not be surprised if they stood up, pushed the chair, flipped the table at you, did something to provoke a, resp- a physical response back. And you say, oh, well, I got up and I hit you through the table by accident. No, you threw the table, you know, type of thing. Right. Um, again, it's just, it's just reaction would have to depend on the situation because most of those people are going to be getting right in your face. You know, and arguing back and pushing it, like getting right nose to nose with you. Right. You know, you, you see it when you go and watch um, demonstrations. One side will be all peaceful, just saying their stuff. And the other side's the one they're getting up, crossing the barriers, getting right up in their face, trying to grab the pride flags and throw them on the ground, trying to grab the signs, throwing them on the ground, trying to, you know, whatever. And they get like, you know, to the point where, if the person breathes, they're going to bump into them and they go, okay, assault, you know, right. um, they're almost, if not doing the primary violence, they're trying to make it secondary violence, you know, by forcing you to do it yeah. by accident. You know, we've talked a lot about tonight, you know, what we don't want to see. And I feel very strongly that kind of one of the reasons that, one of many reasons the country is the way it is is because we have allowed for centuries somebody else to tell us this is how things are and we accept that uh, you know there's some moments in history where we you know we fought and fought and fought to change it but you hear people now and just so many topics well that's just the way it is this is just the way it is i don't believe that i hate that saying there's no bigger pet peeve of mine but i want to ask you if if ken makes the laws what you know, it, you don't even have to get very technical, but just what is the type of world that you want to live in? What do you want your kids to grow up in? What does it look like? Do you know? Have you even ever thought about it? I want it so that I don't care if you're 
skin color is paisley or plaid. If you're got a dime in your pocket or a billion in your pocket, that all the laws are going to treat everybody the same. That if you're president, oh, let me one one couple caveats to that. If you're someone that's in charge, like the president or the senator or a congress with someone that's supposed to be making these laws, doing the laws, if you get caught doing something, breaking those laws, you should get t- penalized twice as hard because you're supposed to be the person, the example, you know, the example of this. So, um, but as far as after that, everybody gets treated the same. If you're pink with purple polka dots and you stick up a place with a gun, you get the same lawyer, you get the same judge, you get the same sentencing, you know. Um, almost do it mask singer style. Everybody wears a mask and outfit, and that's you know, <laughs> right. can't tell who they are. Just go by the facts of the situation. That's that's what I would like. Everybody be treated equal. Um now there's always the thing of equal and um, what's the other word? Unequal? No, no. There's like there's. I saw a thing about before saying like people being treated equal is like it was a really cool comic with a fence showing like everybody getting treated equal, but someone shorter. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know, a balance between those two because you know, if you're poor, you're not going to have the same amount of money to have that good lawyer. But I think like they should like all the lawyers should be. You know, if you have a public defender, like if you're a regular lawyer, you should be forced to do pro bono work for people that are poor, too, and give them the same level of representation. You know, because you can't tell a lawyer just to work free for everybody because that's that's not fair to the lawyer. But you tell them, hey, you're doing this. You have to do so many, quote unquote, pro bono credits. Yeah. What does gun control in Ken's world look like for you? Get rid of any of these high-powered guns that are not meant for hunting. Anything above a hunting level, you know, if you could show that's going to ruin the meat more than, you know, take the life of the animal, it's not hunting. Okay. Um, As I said, I have a problem with people that do sports hunting and they do it like from a mile away shooting from a a tree stand. That's that's not sports. That's another whole story altogether. if you need it for self-defense at home, okay, you have it at home in a locked case. The safe is registered. The gun is registered. If it gets out somehow, like you, you, it's a fingerprint and or a passcode and someone knows your passcode and gets in and uses your gun, well, that's your ass. You know, you should have kept it safer. Your kids get in because you left your gun on your, you get drunk and you leave the cleaning supplies and the gun on the kitchen table and something happens again, that's your ass. Cause you're the one that did it. Um, the end all stopgap would be whoever's the owner. I don't think people need 30, 40 rifles, shotguns. And you know, there's no, there's no need for that unless you're a collector and then you take the firing pins out and you have the collection item. So it's a collector's item. So it's like a historic accurate gun. Like someone said, Oh, this was Billy the kid's gun. I want to have it. You know, that's okay. Fine display gun in a display case that's locked like a safe with the firing pins out or the the, the flints out whatever it is that is the triggering mechanism on it um but as far as functional modern guns why does someone need 10 handguns to protect their house that's just setting you up for 
10 points of failure in your house for someone else to get the gun. Right. Now, you could do hunting. You have your, your hunting license tied to the gun you're going to use too. So you're going to hunt for a duck. Okay, here's my duck gun. The license is attached to my duck gun, which is registered to me. Deer hunting, same thing. Yeah. I mean, would it be extremely hard to do all this? Yes. But if I could like wave a magic wand, bippity boppity boop, there we go. And that way everybody's accountable for the items they have. Yeah. And get rid of anything that's basically a pure destructive power and only the military would need it. Uh, well, if I had my say, I wouldn't even want a military to be world peace. So you wouldn't have that aspect. I like your world, Ken. Except for if the aliens come, then we need some guns to take them out. Yeah, but that's another Everybody story. Everybody always assumes the aliens are mad, man. That's that's. <laughs> what if that can become? You gonna shoot Mac and me? Yeah, I, I know, I've right? never that seen it. Easy, man. Uh, if Mac and me comes, I'm gonna be busy having hysteronic laughing on the ground. <laughs> I've actually never seen that movie. Well, see now you got to now you got to. Uh, I got that to my list. Shoot Alf. <laughs> Alf, yeah. I got so two Alf cats. Comes... It just. But, let the hammer fly. I, just like... I like Alf. I like uh, Alf, but he's got a problem. And I, I cannot say, condone his cat eating. I'm just going to say, if you like Alf, don't go on YouTube and look up the, the, the outtakes <laughs> of that show. Oh, no. You are going to be upset. It, w- it would be. Thanks, Ray. It would be so American. <laughs> it would be so American of the giant UFO landing. Hello. We've come with a solution for your gun violence. <laughs> yeah, shoot, shoot them all <laughs> absolutely that yeah that's that anyway the there's an old far side movie. cartoon with that like they showed the the intergalactic incident that aliens came down the thing and their head was shaped like a hand and they're like high-fived them <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. oh we cannot be trusted uh the very eloquent jv sir what do you have to say about so, masculinity and gun culture um, I think as as far as masculinity within and of itself, um, for me, the idea of that has has been challenged. I think, um, as I've as I've gotten older, um, as to what I think it conveys, um, I I think hyper masculinity is is definitely tied in to guns um it's this idea that being a man means to somehow prove yourself and to prove yourself uh through the level of violence that you're willing to commit uh against somebody who may be perpetrating violence against you so i I think like ken said that sort of is ingrained i mean look at our look at our heroes right um or the people that we find infamous um billy the kid um al capone was known for shooting guns but saint valentine's day massacre um i love this movie the godfather and the godfather too um i love menace to society i Love John Wick. I love the Terminator. There is a fascination 
in fixation with masculinity through violence. And I think that is a big part of the gun culture. Um, Again, because it's, you know, it's the second amendment. It means something to protect your home, to protect your country, to protect the ones that you love and to do that by any means necessary. Um, Even if those means are, are deadly. Um, And so I think that is, I think it's essential that we continue to have conversations about it um, because of the destructive nature of, of what being in proximity to a gun when you're angry, man, an angry young man, um, what that does to you. You know, I think about the, um, the shooting at, um, the University of California at Santa Barbara. And that young man was an incel. And that has a lot to do with masculinity, right? This, this, Mm -hmm. this, I don't get to have sex with who I want to have sex with. I'm involuntarily celibate. I am owed this thing. Ultimately, his decision was to kill women by using a gun um those things are i think those things are married together and um i don't know how we start to pry that apart but i think the first part is men is is men really taking a look at themselves and having a dialogue with yourself about what it means to you to be a man. What does that mean to, to you? And how how those ideas that you have of what it means to be a man were influenced by things that you saw on TV, by the way that your father or your grandfather acted, by what society, especially in America, expects a man to be. Those things have to be interrogated. Um, and that's, you know, outside of the gun violence um, part, that's something that I'm, I'm working on all the time. Um, trying to trying to figure that out. And I think I've gained some progress, um, but there's still a lot to learn. And, and you know, we, we men have to hold each other accountable, but that's also some accountability for yourself. Uh, That's a journey that you have to go on. You have to be okay with with being like, Hey, the ways that I thought the ways in which I thought I am a man and how to be a man aren't necessarily what they really are. So Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. It really, really does. JB, how hard was that? How hard has that journey been for you? Because I think, it's really hard to think one way your entire life and then be told that you're wrong. Like we see, mm-hmm. you know, the pushback against that. Um, so just how hard was that for you? Um, it, there's like some particularly difficult moments, right? When, when, so when me, me too happened, the, the actual movement that mm-hmm. Tarana Burke started, um, just want to be really clear. It was Tarana Burke, a black woman that started that movement. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when that happened, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't go back to my interactions with women mm -hmm. and the expectation, the expectation I think that I had of myself of this is, this is what you do, especially specifically we're, we're talking about cis men, straight cis men. There were things that even I had to go back and be like, oh shit, I, that, that was, that was harassment. That was, um, that, that was a, a pressure that I was applying, right? Those are hard, hard things to look at, like very hard things. I, I'll, I'll be frank, like. I apologize to my wife because there were times where, where I had learned, Hey, you're supposed to, we're supposed to have sex and I'm supposed to like pressure you. But if you're a good guy, it's not pressure, right? It's just, well, I'm supposed to keep trying and trying and trying until it happens. Okay. But that's, that in itself is a form of coercion. Right. So that's a really, that's a really hard person to look at in the mirror and be like, oh shit, I did that. Now, here's the thing it doesn't matter. And this is the other part of it it doesn't matter that that's what I was taught to do. To be clear, this is, these are things that men are taught to do that are, that are, they're taught to think that these things are okay. And even to a certain degree, women are taught to accept them as just regular practice, right? What you have to do is you have to accept that you're still wrong about it. It doesn't matter that you were taught to do it. Now you know, now you've been educated. You're no longer ignorant. And so there's two things that you have to do. You have to take accountability for that. You have to, I think, to me... It's important to apologize to people that you may have hurt. Um, in some in some circumstances, that person doesn't even think you did anything wrong, but you know better, even if even if they don't. So you have to do that, and I think you have to make an effort to hold other men accountable when you see it to try to 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 really try to dismantle toxic masculinity like I, I know it gets to be a word for people who are older than us that they're like oh my gosh toxic masculinity everything's toxic it is toxic it, it, it is toxic and it, it's not it's not just toxic in the way of of how you as a man affect the world around you it's how you affect yourself it's it's what you look at yourself internally so you have to do those things you have to come to grips with like yeah you were a fucking lame ass guy <laughs> and maybe you weren't trying to be a bad guy but you did fuck shit you did fuck boy shit and you have to somehow own up to that accept it and then say okay what am I going to do to be better if you don't do that then the cycle just continues and you're never going to be in a position to be able to tell another man like hey what you're doing that's not cool 
and also let me let me tell you why it's not cool and how we can do better um that's that's difficult like that's just difficult to do but you you i mean it's a cliche but it's a cliche for a reason you have to be your own worst critic you have to be willing to be like yeah that wasn't great you know the the way i did that or the way i said that or the way i didn't do something when something happened that wasn't great and i got to change that and i have to accept that and examine it so i i think for me that's been part of the journey and also just redefining what masculinity is right what what it means to be a man you asked that earlier mm-hmm. I think since I've, since I've had, uh, London, um, what does it mean to be a good person? That's the question. It's not what it means to be a man. I I don't, I I can't tell you what it means to be a man. I, I don't know because that looks different. You know, every, I think every, um, every, every year, every day, every month, I think I become aware that like, there is no, there's no one way to be anything. And there's certainly not one way to be a red blooded American male. Um, the reality is I watch sports. I love football. I love boxing. Guess what? I don't give a fuck about cars. I can't fix one. I don't fix things in my own house. It's what my wife does. I'm not, I don't have the ability to do that. I just accept it. There are certain things that like, oh, traditional man, this is what you do. And then there are certain things like, I don't kill cockroaches in this house. That's Lisa's job. I'm scared. <laughs> like, I don't do that. I love that. Uh, <laughs> phenomenal. You know, like, but you know, like, like it's, it's wonderful to see because like Ken's like, I don't give a fuck about sports. And you're like, I love sports. And if we're just, right. you know, like, how how does that define you know anything, yeah they, i mean you know? that's whether you like sports or not is just something you like i don't think you're less i don't think you're less manly because you like sports mm-hmm. i don't think you're less manly if you're a trans man i don't think you're less manly if you're a man who likes to fuck other men i don't think you're less manly if you dress in drag i don't know what you know like those are just those ultimately we hope are just things who I'm attracted to, what I like to do, what my favorite activities are. Um, hopefully those are all just things. And those are all legitimate ways to be meant in my, in my personal opinion. Like I, I know that that's controversial for some people, but like those are ways to be men. And then instead of just focusing on being a good man, just try to be a good human being. Like focus on just being a good human being, regardless of what gender uh, you fall into, regardless of of where you are on the spectrum of identity. Focus on on being a good person, and eventually, if there is such thing as being a good man, then eventually you'll get there. I assume, if if that's possible. I love that so much. JB, See, what and is- this is why I didn't want to go second I know, follow right? up. When, yeah. <laughs> Every time he talks, I'm like, that's it. We're done. Podcast over. Uh, <laughs> JV, what does what does gun control look like in, in your world? Um, in my world, it I, I try to be a realist as much as I can. 
and in my world gun control looks like the ar-15 platform not being available for sale Mm -hmm. um acknowledging the fact that we are never going to get all the guns back this this country has too many guns and and by the way people who have legitimate reasons to have guns um people who have lots of land um people who use use their guns in a way that is um beneficial to their life in a very practical and real way right mm-hmm. so ar15s gone assault style weapons bump stocks gone a buyback say hey you know what if we're going to take these weapons if we're going to ask you to to not have these weapons in your house then we can't just act like we weren't part of the problem by allowing them to be sold Mm -hmm. so we are going to buy your guns back at the current price they are today so if you bought your AR-15 in, in 1997 mm-hmm. and it's it's appreciated in value, then that's what you get for it, right? right. We, we, we do that. People will take it, especially in these times where there's a lot of economic uncertainty. Um, as far as uh, handguns, shotguns, the first thing that we make it do, the first thing that we do to me is... Things that are pretty much statistically, and you can look this up several polls, even you can go to Fox News and you'll see this. You go to Newsmax, which is like the most right-wing place, and you will see these polls. Most people agree on universal background checks. Something very, very simple. Universal background check. And we just have a few things on there. If you've been convicted of a domestic violence uh, felony or misdemeanor, you do not get to have a gun. Because the statistics say that if you've committed domestic violence once, you will probably do it again. And if you are in proximity to a firearm, that situation will escalate. My dad used to say those were the most dangerous calls that he went on, went on was domestic violence calls. So we make it very easy. If you've committed any sort of domestic violence, you don't get a gun. If you're on a no-fly list, you don't get a gun. If we can't trust you to be in the air, then we can't trust you to have a gun. Um, you don't get to buy a gun immediately. You don't just to you don't get to use loopholes, go to gun shows, buy guns. There is a background check and a proper amount of time, and you figure out what that amount of time is. And we just simply make it. We we make the bar for getting a gun the same or higher as we do for getting a driver's license. The reason that we have a driver's license system and the reason why you have to get a permit and you have to take classes and you have to be certified is because driving around a 3,000-pound machine that can do 100 miles per hour is inherently dangerous if you don't know what you're doing or if you're not in the right mindset. We look at cars as weapons. We should treat guns as what they are, weapons. Educate. Um, I think really get to the nitty-gritty of what the Second Amendment is and the reality that you're not going to take on the strongest military force in the world, 
with your pew pew. That's not going to happen. Um, I don't care how many AR-15s you have. You don't have artillery. You don't have smart bombs. You don't have drones. Um, God knows how close we are to having an actual tyrant back in office. So I can appreciate people's fear of the government. You should have a healthy fear of government. Your government should also have a healthy fear of you. But there is a there's a, a reality that we have to discuss that I'll go ahead and say his name. If Trump gets in office and for some reason he is able to coerce the, the United States military into acting as his own private force, you are not going to be able to stop that. You're not, you're not going to be able to stop that at, at even in your neighborhood generally. Right, you could do all the guerrilla fight, fighting tactics. The Revolutionary War was two hundred years ago when you had to actually put lead balls into a gun and and light your gunpowder to get it to fire. <laughs> they have better weapons than the M sixteen now. Bander just said they're retiring that platform. They're retiring that platform because they have more effective weapons. Then, then they will let you as the general public has. If you don't have that, you you can't understand that reality. You're living in outer space. If they'll let you have the AR-15, I promise you guys, they have bigger guns, faster guns, and more training. So really have to have a conversation about that and educate people like the person who's on Delvin's podcast. We've amended things. Oh my gosh, did you know that? Like. The Bill of Rights. It's not like just this thing. And then the Constitution, we we made amendments to it. That's that's how you and I are here talking right now, right? <laughs> we, we 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 made amendments to it. We're we're no longer three fifths of a human being. Right. So that that thing can change. In that yeah, is sure. essential. Yeah, it has to. It has to. It's essential to democracy. It's essential to our republic. Um, ultimately, gun control looks like to me is we are a country that has a lot of guns. We're not going to get rid of all of them, but let's do common sense things that protect all of us. Your, your If your identity is wrapped up in your AR-15, maybe there's nothing that can be done for you, um, but we shouldn't have to pay the price because you're not willing to give up a weapon that is purely designed to kill um, because we all enter into a social contract. Like the social contract, hopefully, is that we all try to take care of each other. We make it every day. Every day you wake up, every day you go to work, you go to school, you go to the grocery store, you say, excuse me, you try to go around people, you try not to cut people off. Sometimes people break the contract. But for the most part, we make a contract that we're all going to be cool to each other. Part of the social contract that we're asking for now, which is fair, is we, we don't need killing machines owned by regular Americans that can be taken advantage of by people who have poor and bad intentions. So that's, that's what gun control looks like to me. I think we can get there. It's a matter of pushing your local politicians, pushing Democrats, pushing Republicans, both parties have their hands in buckets of money from the NRA and other gun lobbies. It, it call them out. Yes. When you see them 
vote in your local elections. They're more important than the presidential election. Mm-hmm. Vote in your local elections. Change your local laws. Get behind people who actually have a common sense message. And it doesn't matter if they're Republican. It doesn't matter if they're Democrat. If they have a common sense message behind things like gun control, then support them in the laws they make and hold them to account. If they can't do it, then vote their ass out. Primary them. Those are the things that we have to do. If we can do that, we can get to a place where we can still have this weird, admittedly perverse relationship with guns and still be in a place where we all feel safe to do the things that we like to do. I love that. I love that. Delvin, what about you? In terms of uh, masculinity? Yeah, start with masculinity. Start with that man shit. Um, <laughs> I think we live in a time where masculinity, where it always has been, it's fluid. You can't just really describe it. It's based on the person, what you're going through. Like, who am I to tell Alex about his masculinity? As Like, who is he to tell me about my masculinity? I think it all boils down to being a good person and doing what's right and kind of just being justifiable in your goodness and trying to do the right things. I I, I, I say this because this is a, a sensitive subject for me because I, growing up and even now, I know Alex experienced it on, a, on my show, but people question my masculinity because I don't do certain things because I don't, it's, it's a wild thing to say, to say that, but yeah. People question my masculinity because I'm not a certain way. I'm not the type who yells and gets hyped up and screams at people and stuff like that. I'm more of a person who am controlled with my anger and controlled my things. I put I put things out there. I can I'm open. I can have a convers a sensible conversation with a person and understand things. I like therapy. I think therapy is very important for them. Very important for men and women and people in general. People should get therapy. I think that is something that is often overlooked. Men, we need therapy. We need help. Too many things are happening to us that we're allowing to happen because they tell us that it's not masculine to say you need help. But we do. We need to have places that we can talk and speak to each other and have conversations about needing help and about everything that we go through because we go through a lot in this world and I think that people just kind of brush over that and tell us like hey you got to be strong no you don't have to be strong you don't have to be strong for everything you have to be able to open up you have to be able to express your feelings and express what's going on with you it's too often I hear Oh, you can't do that. That's not manly. You can't do this. That's that's not manly. No. Who are you to define what manliness and manhood is? You know, and that's kind of the problem with, that we have with society today. Too, too many people who shouldn't be defining what manhood is and what being a man is, is trying to define it for us. When truthfully speaking, we should be find, defining that for ourselves. What makes us who we are. And that's not being a man, that's not being a woman, that's just in general. Who we are is who we are. And no one should tell us who we are, whether it's the government, whether it's your family, whether it's your friends. You know who you are. And I think that's the most 
masculine thing you can do, honestly. Like, as a man, as a woman, whoever you are, knowing who you are is one of the most important things you can do in your life and knowing your life. And I think we're at a, we're at a funny point in time in history where too many outside forces are trying to tell us who we are and what we can be. Like, I look on Twitter and social media all the time, and they're telling you, well, if you do this and you do that, you're not a man. If you do this, you're not a woman. If you do this, how... Why Why do we listen to these people? <laughs> we should not be paying these people any attention whatsoever. Cause, but we feed into that. We feed into these type of bullshit standards that other people set for us when they don't live our lives. They don't walk in our shoes. They don't deal with our problems. They don't do our stress. They don't know what we love or who we love. And it's kind of a frustrating thing because it's like people are trying to put on an image for other people. When in the day, the only person you have to put on an image for is yourself. You have to look at yourself in the mirror and be proud of who you are. And I think people are kind of getting away from that in a sense because everything is becoming about what everybody else thinks of us. And I, I appreciate that now I see so many people being genuinely who they are. You know, and I think that's a very important thing. Like, you know, like um, when I was growing up, there was a lot of people I grew up with. I had gay family members who wouldn't, who wouldn't come out because they were scared. I, and now, as I'm older, I see those family members openly and happily gay within their relationships. I think that's important. I think it's important that we highlight people and let people live their life too often we see people trying to hide who they are and in some cases hiding behind guns. And I think that's why the problem that we have, some of these problems that we have today because people are going through things. Every time we have one of these mass shootings that are terrible, that are awful, we talk about the guns. We talk about how maybe add, add more guns, take away, take away guns. But we don't get to the root of the problem. Why these kids are doing these things? Why do we keep getting these young people looking for guns and shooting up schools and killing their own classmates? Why aren't these kids getting the help that they need? Who, who you know? And and I feel like at some point in time, not necessarily us, but society is failing these kids and not giving them the help that they need to move forward and, we, and it's sad because every time one of these things happen these mass shootings happen and kids get hurt we don't look we don't look within and say you know what how can we prevent this and i think that's one of the most important things to realize yes we can get rid of the guns we can get rid of everything we can get rid of but how do we prevent these kids from doing that i think counseling making mental health Normalizing that, I think, is a very important step to that. Absolutely. Now, in, in terms of um, the, the second question about how, what would I do in a world that I can mm -hmm. control in terms of yeah, gun control like and stuff like that, I think that um, is very important to be realistic, but also for people in society to realize that guns are not fucking toys. And I think 
when it comes to the Second Amendment and everything like that, and the, pe the people who make those arguments, they don't take guns serious enough. We need to go back and put in value on people's lives and the fact that a gun can kill. I think there needs to be more restrictions on that. How far you want to go with no restrictions? I don't know. It's something that we have to figure out as a society, a company, as a country together. But at the same time, there, as I'm looking at this world right now, they're making so many decisions on women's bodies. They're making decisions on voting. They're making everything else harder, but in fact going out their way to make getting guns and access to guns easier. Why is that, I ask myself? Why is this a thing that's happening? Why are you trying to control every other aspect of our lives? But when it comes to guns, you're like, nah, you can have that. That is a very troubling standard that we're setting in our society. And I think we need to really take a good look at ourselves and do something about it. Like, um, strict the gun laws is a start, I think. Therapy and counseling for people, be making that, normalizing that mm -hmm. is another aspect that we need to kind of look into as a country because, frankly speaking, I know in, in black homes, that's kind of been looked down on a lot, you know. We need it. Yeah. <laughs> people go through trauma all the time, you know. We've All of us express different versions of trauma on this show that we've experienced, whether it's firsthand or secondhand or things like that, but the fact that that gets kind of ignored with these type of conversations tells us even more reason why we need to have that. We need to have talks about mental health and why it's important to protect our mental health and protect others who may be going through mental health crisis and things like that. And I think, you know, when we see these situations with these school shootings in particular, the fact that they are doing this with the full intention of this is going to be my last stand. I think we need to take a, a deep, long, hard look at that and say, why does this keep happening? Why does this kid want to just end it like this? Right. Because, you know, end of your life is end of your life, no matter what way it, go, it goes. And if you're like 16, 17, and you're willing to end your life and take others with you, there is something wrong with that scenario that we don't look enough into. Correct. And I think that's something that whether you're pro-gun or anti-gun, we all should be able to agree on that. that We need to figure out why this keeps happening as a country as a whole. Why we need to, there were excellent points brought up in this show, including the fact that, hey, other countries don't have this problem. And people can make up any excuse they want to. Oh, this factor is in. This factor is in. But it doesn't change the fact that other countries don't have this problem. So we have to get down to the brass tactics. Hey, if they're not having this problem, how come they're not, not having it? And what can we take from these countries to bring to here? So maybe we won't get rid of the problem completely but we can minimize it as much as we can. Absolutely. I think that's kind of just the main thing about it. You know, it's just, it's a lot. It's, and it's not going to be easy. Now, I don't think 
one conversation is going to solve everything and we're not going to change the world with that. But I think if we keep having these conversations and we keep arming each other with knowledge yes. and going forth and passing that knowledge on, we may not change this generation, but we can change the next generation. And I think that's what we need to look forward to now. Like, um, we have people out there who are going to be setting their ways and they're going to do stupid and toxic things and say those type of things that they shouldn't be saying. But how can we stop their generation, their, their, their offspring from doing the same thing and following the same path that they follow? And I think, I think there is hope. Because I know people think in these times, because these times have been rough, that there's no hope. There's a lot of hope. Because when I look at this generation that's coming up, they are more open to a lot of things that my generation wasn't. Mm-hmm. And the generation before me definitely wasn't. And, I, and that alone gives me a lot of hope, knowing that, hey, this generation is more open to a lot of things, whether it's, hey, we don't care if you're gay, bi, trans, you're cool with us. Just be you. Live your life. Yeah. I love that. Yes. Yeah. I love the fact that this generation is so open and, and, and like, hey, we don't give a fuck what you do. Just live your life and be you. <laughs> you know, thing to see. all the people you see complaining about these type of things are old ass people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep it 100. And, yeah. and the, these old people who are making the laws for these young people are holding us back. Mm-hmm. So once we start getting that old guard out, I think a lot of this stuff is going to change. As long as we don't carry those old traditions on, we have to kind of break the cycle. Break the cycle. In it there. Yeah. I love what you said. So I, I will link the article as well, statistics again. When it comes to uh, gun deaths among children, it's, an, it's a very depressing thing. For white children, overwhelmingly, it's suicide. For black children, it's homicide. Mm-hmm. Something is broken. Something yeah. is depressingly broken. And it's a reflection on so many other issues. But you're yeah, you're you're absolutely right. We are we're letting a whole we're letting a whole lot of kids die because a bunch of men have trauma that they haven't dealt with. Yes. And 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 I and I, and I just and I we're gonna get to you, Hannah and Vander as well. Um and don't worry, Alex, let me get to you because I know you have a lot to say on masculinity. Um so we'll get to everybody. But I need if you're going to be real about this conversation, then I, I want people to just come out and say, I want people to just come out and say that if you are just taking this stance about nothing should be done, then just say that your fear overrides the lives of children, because that's <laughs> what we've said. And you need to be really honest and sit with yourself about that. You want this gun because you're afraid of black people or whoever it is that you're afraid of. And you don't care if kids die. Your fear is more, your fear and how you feel is more important than the lives of everybody else. And you need to be so fucking for like, and sit with yourself about that. And is that the person that you want to be? Because that's all this fucking is. Like, I feel like the majority of people that talk about, I mean, sure, there's a lot of people who want no guns, but I feel like when we look at polls and statistics, the majority, all the majority of Americans are saying is just like, why can I get a gun in fucking Walmart? Like, just why is it just so fucking easy? That's the question we're asking. And 
you are so triggered by just the thought of somebody taking this thing away from you that you have latched onto that you don't give a fuck about anybody else. And don't pretend you don't. Don't say it's American values. Don't say it's your fucking right. Don't say any of that. Sure, that could be part of it. Sure, you could have a gender, but it's fear. Again, we're, whatever it is that you're afraid of has become like that core issue for you. And you need to sit with that. And if you are that afraid, you need to really ask yourself if you even should have that gun. Because I don't know. I just thought of something that you just told, you mentioned. And it just happened the other day, and it's funny. Yesterday, I was with my kids hanging out, right? And mm -hmm. we passed by a pawn shop because my son loves video games, stuff like that. He wanted to go to a pawn shop to find some old video games, stuff like that. So he went inside the pawn shop. And as soon as we walked in, my other child, my daughter noticed there was um, a whole wall of guns, like like everywhere, like a whole like section, like full of guns. And the guy walks up. My daughter's looking like this is weird mm -hmm. because we've been to pawn shops before, but we never seen such like a large display of guns on display at a pawn shop. Like no, you we see like you no know, other stuff, but it's like a small rack. This was like this was like literally like a gun store. Right. So my daughter's looking at this stuff, and I'm looking at it with her. She's like, "You gonna get a gun?" I'm like, "Absolutely not. I don't need a gun." So what I, I see, because when I, when, if I get a gun, do what that brings into your life, other guns. And the pawn shop guy was like, "Hey, if you want to get a gun, you can just get a gun today." Like he was like, "Today?" I'm like, "Today?" Like, yeah, you can get it right now. Just come, come over and get it. And the price of these guns were not expensive. Mm -hmm. When I say not expensive, I mean like. The cheapest one I saw maybe was two hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. So think about that: two hundred dollars, just the, the small price of two hundred dollars, not even the price of a Nintendo Switch. You right. could take somebody's life. That's right. crazy. Nuts! It's fucking nuts! It's like, why is it just that? Just why? Oh my god! Uh, thank you for your thoughts, Delvin, on this. Hannah, you've been very quiet. I know you've had like a thousand tabs up. Way in here. Let's hear your voice. I was I was just thinking to myself that um a couple of weeks ago when I was doing some job applications, all of those were way more complicated than trying to get a gun. <laughs> and well, uh, it's harder to get unemployment than to get a gun. <laughs> it was harder to fill out fucking college shit for Tulane than it is to get a gun. But um I wanna weigh in about like the mental health of the people who are doing the mass shootings and i'm gonna put this caveat here because this is going on the internet and the internet's never not to this extreme but i kind of understand because if you're growing up in a home right and you're a young person depending on how this household is you feel incredibly smothered and you feel like you can't breathe a lot of the times so if you're trying to develop as your own person and you're constantly being pushed down with your whole family's other values. And maybe there's like other mental illness mixed in here and there. That's going to contribute hella hard to what else is happening to you. And again, I can't like possibly understand the total extreme of killing yourself and then taking other people with you. I don't get that one because I haven't been there before. But I've thought other things that would have harmed myself because I have been so fucking low before. So I can tentatively say I get a fraction of why they do it. 
and that's hella depressing and i don't mean to put like a depressing note in here but like mental health is is everything and we need more attention on that and there's a big difference between mental health and mental illness so not to confuse that we are blaming yeah, yeah, yeah. this gun problem on anybody who has like because we know mm -hmm. that when it comes to mental illness those people are targeted just as much as mm -hmm. everybody else but this is more yeah just i had to put that caveat problem. out yeah, there absolutely. because like i've never wanted to shoot up a place because right. <laughs> that's never been i just have to put that out there but yeah. i do understand to a fraction yeah. of why this why someone might want to yeah so Hannah, what does masculinity look like to you because i mean women should absolutely be a part of this conversation because let's just be real so fucking for real the violence that is perpetrated against us is because of toxic masculinity that's why i want you to walk around with five dogs and a bazooka to be really <laughs> i mean if we're being really for real i would i want hannah because she walks alone all the time and i want her to walk with <laughs> a german shepherd and i want her to pack because Y'all out here crazy. Y'all is crazy. <laughs> there was a really great, I think it was a Twitter post or something, but someone was like, and no offense to y'all, but if all the men on earth suddenly disappeared, what would the women do? And so many of them commented, I would take a walk alone at night. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it's hard for me to answer what masculinity looks like for me because I'm going to be real fucking honest here. I only got the men here in this call as a reference for good masculinity. I'm going to be real fucking real. Cause like my father's not bad. It's just, he's Christian Republican, all that shit that I have scratched myself away from because it doesn't fit me. It's not who I am. And some of the shit that is believed on that side is wrong, but like, I can't tell you what like I want to see in masculinity because I only have you guys as a reference. So my only real answer is there shouldn't be like a hard line of masculinity. There shouldn't be a hard line of fem femininity. I just want you to be a good person. That's all I want from you. Especially because like we have trans people, we have non-binaries. Now we're getting into the question of what it actually is gender. So... I can't actually answer what it is to be a woman or to a man because now that we are advancing and a society, we're learning a lot more about that shit. So now that question is harder. What is, in Hannah's perfect world, what does gun control look like for you? So... I have two answers, kind of. So I know how this country is. We all know how this country is. Um, I want to see, with gun control, I want to see a domino effect where it's not just gun control. So, because we know how the country is. If they ever pass a law for guns, it's going to be the barest minimum possible. And they'll leave it at that for another decade. Mm -hmm. But in the ideal world that they do pass gun restrictions of all the things that we want, everything that JV, Delvin, and everyone else has said already, if we get that wonderful bit, it can't stop there. Because even with those restrictions, it's not going to solve a lot of problems that we have. So I want to see a domino effect of here's gun control, here's actual help for mental health, here's actual health insurance accessible to all, Here's uh, several bills and laws to help minorities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. My perfect gun controlled world is 
not just gun control. So I, that was kind of a weird answer, but I don't know. Not a weird answer. My yeah. other perfect uh, gun control scenario is literally just Star Trek. I want that fucking utopia. Exactly. <laughs> and lightsabers. I want lightsabers too, though. I want it too. Yeah. Um, those are my be... weird answers. No, they were not weird answers at all. This is going to totally fuck up when I do chapters because I want to ask Vander two questions. Because Vander, you know... I sent you some YouTube videos today and we've heard the argument from them second amendment motherfuckers. And listen, I don't trust y'all. I don't trust the fucking government. I don't think anybody on this call trusts the fucking government as far as we could throw Ken. Okay. I don't think anybody does, but let's be really fucking for real. Do you think that the second amendment boys can take on the government if some shit actually went down. <laughs> oh, so we're actually going to entertain this? Let's entertain this. All. Like, you are a veteran. You served. If there's anybody on this call that can speak to the might of the U.S. military, it is you. It, you, you know, you know, you've been in there. You've So what, like, if they finally said, you know what, fuck this whole country. We coming in and we taking it. Our Second Amendment boys right in saying that they're that you know they're having that gun is what's going to deter it because they brought up they bring up all kind of things they bring up afghanistan they bring up iraq they bring up vietnam they bring up the fact that russia couldn't invade and their reasoning for that is because those countries had guns so what do you as a veteran say to that point first off i'm trying not to laugh hysterically <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna just put that out there yeah. honestly I'm trying to laughter is a suitable answer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right, let me put it like this. These are untrained wannabe soldiers. At right. best weekend warriors, right? Mm -hmm. When you go to basic training, the first 90 days before you even get to your to schooling for your job it is you they learn how they teach you how to be technically it used to be like two months now it's like a month and a half or whatever but it's literally teaching you how to be a soldier and doing their damnedest to disconnect you from the morality of because humans normally don't humans are very averse to killing each other mm -hmm. and you have to actually train that out of soldiers so, you know, you may get your Joe Bob Billy Second Amendment, whoever with the cute red hat on bullshit. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they see a soldier, they're going to pick up their uh, AR-15 and shoot, right? Mm -hmm. And they've been practicing it in their back 40, whatever, shooting mounds and beer cans and whatever. That's great. Mm -hmm. You haven't actually practiced against an active target. Right. It's not like on television where you're just going to see the soldiers in their riot gear just walking forward while you're taking pot shots at them. No. Uh, first off, the reason that they're getting rid of the M16A2 assault rifle and the AR-15s is because the plating in protective shields makes them it nullifies everything 
because you shoot it, you shoot the plate because they're not going to be aiming, you know, mm -hmm. and you really haven't done anything. And those mm. plates are like four inches thick. Mm. They're designed to stop the bullets from Is that what the army's wearing. They're wearing those. plates. Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure the, the reason. The reason why they are actually getting rid of it is because Russian and Chinese soldiers are wearing the plate where in their in their body armor that nullifies the bullets from your uh, M16A2 assault rifle and your uh, AR15. Hmm. Got it. Got so, it. you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a thing. Right. Plus, okay. in all honesty, They're probably like if the military, if their martial law was actually going to be a thing, they would be the first ones rounded up, mm. not at home. Mm. They would literally, PSYOPs would be like, yeah, we're going to get, I need you to go pick up this, 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 these guys here, all of these guys on this list. And they you know, know where you are because you keep posting a picture of you and your gun on Facebook and Instagram, by the way. They're, they're not going to have a hard time finding you. <laughs> I mean, if you... <laughs> So you remember when Obama was president and everybody lost their whole shit because they were quote unquote actively spying on American citizens. Mm -hmm. They never stopped that. They just admitted to it. Exactly. So literally that's why I always joke. I'm on a watch list. I know I'm on a watch list because they have my fingerprints. Mm -hmm. I got mine too. So so basically, like, it's not realistic for them to think that they could take on a trained military force. First off, they couldn't take on a trained military force because your trained military force, i.e. the United States Army, has unlimited weapons and unlimited ammo. So really, all they have to do is siege your place of resistance, mm -hmm. shoot in uh, every couple of hours some, you know, some smoke grenades, a couple flashbangs. Eventually, you have to sleep. That's so scary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what are the. Yeah. It, and we're all aware concern. of it. We're yeah, all aware it's, it's, of it. It's we're a concern, existing. but yeah, but listen, no. if it's they not really like... wanted to do some shit, there's not a whole lot realistically we are going to be able to do. Like, that's just it. That's right. Everybody's like, oh, well, America's never fought a war on American soil. You're right. They haven't. However, that doesn't mean that they haven't fought wars. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, oh, well, you know, all they're sending all the good soldiers to Afghanistan. Not all of them. And they all don't stay over there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all of the uh, all of those guys who think that they're going to just solo cowboy it when the shit hits the fan on their remote Montana wooded acreage. No, because they don't even have to find you. They literally could just send a drone over your shit and just drop a small parcel on your house. Thank it's you. yeah. The Thank unlimited you. unlimited ammo for one is the and snipers. The U.S. Army actually does have snipers, you know, and that's just one branch of the army. Right. Because honestly, if you were as important as you think you are with your uh, the shit hits the fan prepper bullshit, they would send the seals after you. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it's not like one, there's not enough of them. Hmm? There's not enough of them. Yeah, please go on. Go ahead. One, there's not enough of them. 
one, there's not enough of them. They don't have enough ammo or, you know, whatever. Sure, everybody's like, oh, well, you know, I'll just, we'll live on my plot of land and we'll live off the land and all this. Okay, so what do you do when, because at this point, we'll just, if the U.S., government is attacking its own citizens you know they're gonna be poisoning water mains they're gonna be doing all this other stuff you're not gonna make it actual tactics cutting off food supplies routes things that armies do when they attack other countries exactly so what like let's 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 entertain this fantasy land a little bit more here what actually would have to happen for these people to even have a shot uh, first, they would probably have to survive a nuclear attack because <laughs> the entire country would like the the actual infrastructure for the U.S. government and, you know, mm-hmm. would have to be completely gone. Right. And then they would have to survive essentially the first three years mm-hmm. unnoticed by the people who survived the nuclear attack that destroyed all the major cities and, you know, all the survivors who are now you know, thinking that they're mad maxing it, Mm -hmm. you know, just throwing bullets down lane like it's nobody's fucking business because who's going to arrest me for it? Ha, 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 ha. That's when you get warlords. Right. So this country is completely different. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, let me put it like this. Everybody has that their zombie plan, whether they call it a zombie plan or not. Mm -hmm. Everybody who has a zombie plan has one major mistake, one flaw in their zombie plan that they never think about. Mm -hmm. Who says you're going to live past getting, you know, the first initial whatever. Right. Right. And, you know, a zombie plan is just synonymous for, like, uh, they actually use it in the military. They always have a zombie plan because you can substitute zombies for chemical attack and actual invasion, yada, yada, yada. And it's all essentially have this, have your shit ready. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you so know. few of us are in shape, train, can carry around a 50 pound back or run up a hill with, you know, the weight of guns and ammo and all the other shit that you're going to need. Like just, you know, I, we don't trust the government either, but let's just be really real about what would actually happen. What would and actually if you happen? can't be realistic about that, then I also don't think you should have a fucking gun. <laughs> no, I'm saying, if, realistically, these are the type of people who within the first six months will have shot their neighbors mm. themselves mm-hmm. until they have no fucking bullets. Right. Because, you know, they're so, first they're going to be all giddy and excited and shooting in the air and being all foolish, wasting ammo, not mm-hmm. thinking about it. Because mm-hmm. these are not the type of people who generally make their own ammo. Mm-hmm. Or if they do, they don't make it well. Thank you. I mean, thank you, you for know. providing clarity. Babe, you unmuted. What's good? <laughs> what Banner said actually triggered a memory of mine because we have a we have a family friend that's um <laughs> a hardcore doomsday prepper. He even has a hidden room in his house that you have to access through some other crazy thing like yes he has the whole shipping he is that stereotype i'm not even kidding Uh but when he and my dad were talking he literally said that if if an apocalypse were to happen the first thing he's doing is going two houses down and shooting his neighbor yes (laughs) wow 
Yeah. I don't think he should have a gun. Yeah. Be crazy. And he has many. He has many. He has five I gun safes. I don't think he should have any guns. <laughs> At the yeah. time that I remember this, he had five gun safes. I don't know how many he has now. <laughs> this was years ago. <laughs> this is why I'm like the first thing everybody's going to do is they're going to take out if they can, their putty, petty little grievances and waste their bullets shooting their neighbor two houses down and then just being excited because they actually got to do it and nobody's going to come get them. So they're going to put a couple more bullets in them because, woo, it's freedom for real. And, you know, mm -hmm. right. instead of, and this is also why when everybody's like, oh, because I would love to be a doomsday prepper, but I would not be a, a stationary one. Mm-hmm. This is why everybody knows I'm obsessed with boats. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, because Tuesday preppers, they have, they have already started preparing, you know, squirreling stuff away, yada, yada, yada. What if you're out going hunting? Somebody's been watching your house for the last three months because mm -hmm. they see the smoke. You, you don't look hungry. You know, so it is essentially while you're over here living your best prepper life, somebody's over there watching you. Mm -hmm. Just waiting to take it. Exactly. Man, what does masculinity look like for you? <laughs> I you were just that's like, a that's a weird question. <laughs> I don't know. Um, masculinity, honestly, to me, kind of looks like femininity in the way it is it shouldn't be defined by the social constructs and, you know, of an older generation. Like, mm -hmm. random, random tidbit. My dad loves the color pink. <laughs> he will never, ever tell anybody he loves the color pink because he's a boomer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Literally. And he tells me, and he every time he tells me, he's like, and you got to promise not to tell anybody because I love pink and I don't want people to think. And I'm like, well, think what? That you like pink? Yeah, well, that's a girl's color. A uh, hundred years ago, it was a boy's color. And cute little girls wore blue. And little boys wore pink because it was more masculine and closer to red. So, go figure. But, you know, I'm just like, just like everybody else has said, just be a decent human. <laughs> it's not hard. You, Whatever steps you take as a man, I think that interest, self-awareness is a hell of a drug, I swear. Mm -hmm. The first steps in being what is masculine, what is feminine, whatever, is literally just be a good human. If you are, uh, if, unless you are trying to get in said person's pants, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what their business is, unless you're interested in their business. <laughs> Just be a good person. Right. What does gun control in this country look like to you? In, in my perfect country? Yes. Uh, probably Denmark. Okay. Educate people, because those who don't know. Okay, so in Denmark, you can have guns. You can have, you know, I'm not sure if they have the assault rifle option, but in Denmark, you register your gun at the nearest police station to your house. 
your gun stays at the police station, you decide you want to go to the range or, or go hunting. You go to the police station. You sign out your gun. If you are going to the range, you go to the range. You sign your gun in at the range. You shoot. Mm-hmm. You take your gun. You sign it out of the range. Go back to the police station. Turn it back in. Everybody, the number one thing about the whole, I need a gun in my house. I need to have an AR-15. It's literally preying on fear and the inadequacy that has been programmed into men to think that they have to be able to do everything by themselves. If you, it's literally gun control. We want you to not shoot children, but what, how am I going to protect my house? A security system, a dog, a fence, <laughs> thicker walls. Right. Yes. But what if the home invaders, home invasions don't happen as often as you think. You stop watching the news. Mm-hmm. We have a problem with with uh, the obsession with hero types and guns and hella guns and the last man standing complex. Everybody thinks that they're going to be that last man with that last bullet taking on the big bad guy and he's going to be doing his soliloquy and then you're going to wait for him to finish and then you're going (laughs) to shoot him and woo, you win. And it don't work like that. Play some fucking D&D. Everybody (laughs) needs to play D&D, yes. Mm -hmm. But also... Talk to people, talk to the family members of victims of gun violence. My younger brother is dead because some woman decided that she wanted to drive from Arizona around the country pulling up um, and doing the natural born killer shit. My brother was robbed half a block from my aunt's house who he was going to go visit and shot and killed. For $150 he had in his back pocket. The irony is he had $7,000 in his shoe. I'm sorry you went through that. That's fucking, uh, yeah. This is why I'm always like the, the fear of going to prison is, is less and less scary to me now. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Things get crazier. We're just like, mm. prison don't sound thoughts, so bad. And intrusive thoughts looking pretty good today. Stop watching the news. Uh, Alex, I'm going to let you go last. Tara, what's up? Yeah. Hi. No, she's still, mm-hmm. <laughs> Tara's still awake. Tara's still here. Tara, weigh in on all this. What does masculinity look like to you? What are your thoughts? Um, well, I think it's important that when we're talking about masculinity and how it's viewed in the United States, it's based off of a... Um, Christian European viewpoint because those are the people that came here and established society as it is and so those values are what have colored how we view um, gender mm-hmm. and there have been many many uh, different cultures across the globe that have had different views on gender there are some societies where they have like six different genders or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's only like the U S is 
just always behind with shit. Um, so I, I mean, it's, it's something that I've thought about for years. Uh, I never really ascribed to, oh, you know, this is what it means to be a man. I never understood. I knew from an intellectual standpoint what people were saying, this is what boys do. Boys play with blocks and boys play with race cars and boys, boys do this and girls play with dolls. You know, I understood what those gender roles were um intellectually but i never understood why people just accepted it as if it were okay <laughs> or as if it were you know like i don't i don't know i just never really understand understood people's um just acquiescence to it um so for me i mean it's it's always been you know i don't care what anybody's gender is it's what kind of person do you want to be? So when I speak to um, my nieces and nephews, I always made it a point, oh, you're supposed to be a boy. This is what this is. I've, I've never spoken to them like that. I would always ask them, you know, what kind of person do you want to be? And decide that for yourself. I never put gender into it because it doesn't matter. Gender is, um, when we are born in this society, depending on what kind of genitalia you have, then you're ascribed a certain gender based on, you know, what I mentioned before. Um, but, you know, it doesn't mean shit. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't mean shit. It's, uh, you know, what kind of person is it that you want to be? That's, that's what it is. I, I, I don't know. I don't, that's all I got. No, it's a good thought. How do you think we can even take a step to unravel like masculinity from golden culture? And that's, you know, I, you know, and like, you know, you got to be a man and have this big gun. Mm. Well, well, I think, um, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. What were you going to say? I forgot now. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> the ADHD is real. Yeah. <laughs> it comes and it goes. Um, so, I mean, there are people that, I mean, there are gender studies classes. That's one of the classes that people are trying, they've been trying to, they've been doing it for years. It's not within the, like, when I say years, I mean, literally like probably a couple decades, they've been trying to get rid of gender studies classes because it's quote unquote too progressive, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I mean, honestly, people have to be willing to even just broach the conversation, um, regardless of whether or not they are open to doing the internal work it's going to take to um, deconstruct all of the shit that people have learned, you know, that they've learned over the years and how they're supposed to behave um, based on whatever gender they were ascribed. Um, regardless of that, they you have to be willing to even sit down and listen. And that is something that is um, that's difficult for a lot of people because a lot of people are stubborn. Um, and one thing too, I know Delvin had mentioned before that he was glad that a lot of kids now, you know, they're more open, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The reason why 
kids now are more open is because of the very difficult work that's been done for decades or probably even longer. Um, because it wouldn't have been possible if somebody a long time ago didn't tell the next person it's okay to be yourself and then to have that continue on. Um, So, you know, so basically, um, yeah, you you just have to be willing to have that conversation. You have to be willing to explore these topics and you have to – you have to be willing to let yourself go um, in order to discover who you are because it's just, you know, it's, it's a deep, some people might say, might say it's not a spiritual experience, but to me it actually is because you, you know, you have all of these things that you're being told, um, you know, you're, you you have a uterus, so this is what your role in society is, and you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do that, you're supposed to look this way, you're supposed to, you know, be presentable, and this, that, and the other, and you might realize um, one day, like, huh, I don't know if I quite agree with that, and even just that one little question can open up so much for you, because you're recognizing that just because they told you something, it doesn't mean that it's applicable to you for who you are. And then you might start the process of, you know, going out and exploring and learning. Um, I wish I had some books off the top of my head that I could recommend to people. Um, If you remember them, let me know and I'll put them down in the show notes. Yeah, I will. I would do that. But yeah, definitely um, being open to deconstructing these ideas uh, and figuring out the thoughts that you're having. Are they your own thoughts? Or are you just regurgitating the thoughts and ideas that somebody told you that you need to have? 100%. Tara, what does gun control look like in Tara's world? Um, the complete nuclear disarmament. Um, <laughs> I like that you immediately went there. You're like, no, we're going to go big as shit. We're getting rid of all that. I love it. Well, well, I mean, because gun control, you know, we, the discussion has been focused specifically on what's happening in the U.S., but it's all connected, you know, like with, um, currently, with Haiti, and this is something that's been going on for quite a while, the the country has been, or on the mainstream media, um, they've been saying, oh, there's gangs in Haiti, there's this happening in Haiti, they might need some help. And that's immediately, it should tell you immediately that they're trying to soften the public to uh, an occupation in Haiti. But on those videos that they're showing and all, you know, all these news articles that are be- that's being written about Haiti, I've never seen any where they're actually talking to the people in Haiti about what's actually happening. And what's been happening is, um, is there are certain, uh, there are people for hire there. And guess who's hiring them? 
guess who's supplying the guns to them, right? So when we're talking about how, you know, where are people getting guns here in the U.S., it's the same thing. Like, in some areas, guns are being flooded in. When Obama was in uh, was in office, there was a an operation he did called Operation Fast and Furious, where he supposedly it was to be able to track the cartels, right? And what they did was they gave them guns. <laughs> Why would you do that? And, you know, it makes you think when we're talking about, oh, where are these uh, people in, in the U.S. getting all these guns from? In some places, we could ask the question, what happened to people in the 80s? Where did they get the crack from? Where did it come from? Right? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, absolutely. Complete nuclear disarmament, disarmament because there's no need. We, don't, we do not need nuclear weapons. Nobody needs that. Absolutely nobody on this earth needs nuclear weapons, period. Like, just completely get rid of those. Um, but specifically here, uh, I, don't, I do not know a whole lot about gun laws, but I would say if we're going to get rid of um, AR-15s and all that, then we need to, we need to uh, defund the police. And take those, like, especially in, with their tanks that they're getting, because there are certain cities that are uh, where the police are being militarized. They actually, they literally are having tanks rolling around the people's neighborhoods. And I give you one guess as to whose neighborhoods they're having tanks rolling around in. Mm-hmm. So get rid of those tanks. We're going to, because if, if we can't have AR-15s and the police don't need AR-15s, because why do you need AR-15s patrolling the city? It's absolutely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I was thinking earlier, similar to what Bander had said about, um, I don't know, I wouldn't trust a police station. I just don't trust the police. I would rather have like a community-led, um, and people might say, well, that's the same thing as the police. No, the police, they're like an arm of the state. I would rather have like a community community-led organizations where um, where their guns are housed there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in Vietnam, they actually do something similar where and everybody learns how to handle a gun mm-hmm. <laughs> over there. And then they have their armory and they, you know, they train, they do whatever, then they put them, you know, put the guns away. And then once it's time well, to train again, then they go get their guns or whatever. So... I mean, to be fair, part of the problem is that is that the United States has a volunteer-only military. The majority of every other country on Earth has mandatory service for a minimum of two years. Mm-hmm. So, all because let's face it, most of these dudes want to be GI Joe, want to be. I got kicked out of the psyche valve for being a cop, <laughs> sort of situations. Mm-hmm. You know. Now they want to think that they're going to live out their best fantasy. Mm-hmm. But if well, they had another... just... <laughs> go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say they live... They want to live out their best I was G.I. Joe, you know, when nine times out of ten, most of these guys wouldn't even make it to the E4 Mafia. Uh... <laughs> I made it twice. <laughs> Good job, Ben. Good job. But... Good job. 
No, like they wouldn't they wouldn't make it out of being a basic bitch private their right. entire career. And it's it's those guys and it's the ones who thought who would think that they'd be hot shit cops. Mm-hmm. Um that we need to bring in and but as soon as you talk about mandatory military uh service, everybody's like, oh god, the draft. Don't talk if you have a vagina, don't talk about the draft because you'll never get drafted. And I'm like in these days and times, yeah, they'll fix that to where everybody gets drafted. And I'm all for that. <laughs> it's like, you think you badass? Go ahead. Go to yeah. training. Go AIT. Watch your fucking drill sergeant slap the shit out you with a hat. <laughs> what else, Tara? Is that, is that the end of your list or is there more? Um, as far as, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know. I just know absolutely complete nuclear disarmament and um we definitely would have to uh reduce the weaponry that the police have mm-hmm. absolutely 100 percent. and then also we would take resources because i think in new york new york city police they they literally spend billions of dollars on their police department and they spend more money for the new york city police than some countries spend for their entire like military for the yeah. entire country. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, like, it's, it's really ridiculous. And so, you know, when we have people that are on the street starving to death, um, when we have uh, kids where like in, like in Maryland where kids were having to wear their winter coats inside because their heat was not working because the school doesn't have funding. Um, like I know in Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, um, she, she, it's like Rahm Emanuel, um, but she uh, approved cuts for the school to pit towards police, um, something with the police. And then we have now in Atlanta, um, the city of Atlanta is trying to cut down a forest in Atlanta to make space for a police training facility, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when we're talking about uh, gun control, we, we really need to think about this image of all of, all of this violence, because it, it is violence. You know, when you have a military-like force set in your city, you know, just like in that article, it causes stress. You know, it causes so much, uh, just so much lived trauma. And we need to cut that out. But we also need to, um, we need individuals to be more, we need people to be more, um, not just more open, but more aggressive in dismantling these, um, these racist ideologies within the different systems that we have, because that's also a big problem. Um, I know at least two of the shooters that went out, like one of them that was at the church, at at a church, they had Hitler sayings. I think they had it written on their actual gun. I know definitely they had it in their manifesto on, in their manifesto, but I think they also had it written on their gun. So, you know, these racist ideologies that's fueling a lot of these mass shootings as well. 
um, we need people to be more stringent with that. That includes social media, uh, just the media, media in general, like the mainstream media, instead of trying to tiptoe around the issue, they need to really just call it what it is. Um, but again, if you do that, that's going to disrupt uh, and disturb certain groups of people and then that's going to cut into their profit margin. So they would rather not say anything about it because they would rather make more money because money is more important than people's lives. Um, so anyway, so there's a lot. There's a lot, but that's just a little bit. It's such a big fucking issue, but I like your ideas too. I think, I think, I think we're really here. Solving, I think we're solving the problem here. So Alice, I want to end yeah. with you tonight because you are the educator. But before, I want to say that for me... <laughs> You know, I can tell you that if you need a weapon to define your gender, you need to go to therapy and you need to put the weapon down. I will say that if you need some sort of ideology to define you, um, let me put it, if you need some sort of religious ideology to define who you are as a person, you need to really sit with yourself and figure out who you are outside of that ideology. And if those restrictions were not placed on you, would you still be that person? Because a lot of people bring in God. And I always ask which one, um, because that plays a part in this as well. And, and I, I could just say personally, because I love what everybody else said about masculinity and what it is and what it isn't. But I just think about now about how wonderful it is that we have um, trans people teaching us and, and teaching us about gender and making us question like what that is for us because like I know me like I don't want children so I can't define myself as a woman by the fact that I could have them because I, I actually can't anymore and I don't want them um you know some women you know define women you know have more testosterone than men do some of these athletes out here and you know how do we so it, me personally if I sat down I thought I've sat I thought about it I'm like why do I know I'm a girl I just feel like one and that's all it is. And it is not any deeper than that. I just feel like one. I'm like, could I be a they? No, I don't feel like a they. I don't feel like a man. I just feel like a she. Like, that feels good to me. And that's all it is. It's not, I don't look to anything else to define what's happening. I mean, Bander hilariously tells me and picks me that we the worst lesbians ever because we don't fit none of those stereotypes. We can't fix shit. <laughs> They can't. We it's are, we, hilarious. I know. We argue about who's killing the. I mean, Fable killed a cockroach for me, but I don't like bugs. But I like football. Like you know. But I can't. Fix I have the to car. go outside and deal with animal life because she won't do it. Right, I won't do it. <laughs> but I, you know, none of that. But I mean, if I lived in a perfect society, you know, where I didn't have to worry about stuff like I want to learn how to be a ninja and have a sword and you know do all that man shit just because I think it's fun. <laughs> but you know, like I don't. So there's no box that I fit in when it comes to gender. There's not. It, when we talk about gun control, I think it's ridiculous that we are letting children die and I don't even have them. It is absolutely fucking ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous that you are a parent and you can literally look at your kids and then look at your gun and think that you having that is more important than them. That is blowing my mind. These are also the same people who are like, oh, why don't you just adopt? Right. If if you are that person, put your gun away and go to therapy and really sit with yourself about why that piece of whatever the fuck it's made out of is more important than the life of your child. 
because that is what we are that is like that's literally the heart of this issue in my perfect world of gun control there's a couple of things that happen before we even talk about that and you're the first podcast the first episode part you did on this um delvin i thought jason really hit the nail on the head we get money out of politics we talk about term limits we update the fucking constitution because it's 2023 holy fucking shit even thomas jefferson said that this bitch should be updated so let's stop quoting the founding fathers if we're not actually going to follow their advice okay let's let's update this bitch let's give everybody health care let's give everybody a universal basic income and let's watch by term limits let's do that too and then let's watch all the trickle down the actual trickle down trickle down effect of that reduce some of these other issues and then when it comes to like owning and house everyone oh my god yes and housing housing yes if we were to solve some of those basic societal problems and i say they're basic because it's ridiculous that we can't fuck like we don't take steps to solve them then let's talk about okay you want to own a gun let's talk about the process i think for one the first thing you should do is you should learn how to fight i think you should learn how to actually fight for like six months and talk to a therapist about you why you actually want this weapon. And maybe you just want to fucking go hunting. Maybe you're just like, I just want to like go on my backyard and pew, 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 pew. I mean, do you need a gun to do that? Can't you do that with a BB gun? But I feel like one, learn how to fight. Learn how easy it is for somebody to take a gun away from you if you're not trained in anything. Like literally in anything. Learn how easy it is for someone to just take that. So nine times out of ten, you're bringing a gun to a fight for somebody else. So learn that. Talk to a therapist first. And then if you really want a gun, I think you need to train with it for like a year before you get to be able to bring it home. I think you really have to go through some serious fucking training to own a weapon. And that training maybe is longer depending on what type of weapon you want to bring home. It's and harder think, to adopt a child. Right. That's what I mean. Like there has to be because like it 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 should be really hard to get a weapon and I feel like all these other things need to be done before you just get to bring one home. And I absolutely agree with Tara. Like, we we defunding these police, too. Like, because they're not. And when it comes to police, four-year degree. None of this 12-week shit and then you get a fucking gun. Fuck that. Four-year degree. Four-year criminal justice yes, degree. degree. Minimum. That's minimum. And we need more community policing and less state policing. So if Crystal runs the world, I'm making all that shit happen. And you right, we getting rid of them nuclear weapons too because y'all crazy. Y'all little your boys and your fucking toys. Just stop it. Stop it. Stop it. But anyway, that's how I'm solving this shit. Alex, yeah. educate us, please. Wait, what was the question? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, no, we're, we're just, we're just I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Do I'm going to answer. Like Twizzlers. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer the second question first. Sure. Man, fuck these guns. Man, fuck these guns. <laughs> I've just made up after all this, after Delvin's podcast, after what we've just recorded. I'm going to answer like an artist. Fuck these guns. Get rid of all. I, I just wish there were no guns. I would melt all the metal down. I would create statues for every city around the entire planet of the mitochondrial Eve and an explanation of who she is and erect a statue of her around the entire world with all the metal melted down for these guns. Fuck guns. Moving on, masculinity. And if you don't know who the mitochondrial Eve is, I suggest everyone look up who that is. As far as masculinity, I'm going two places with this. When I was three, I was sitting with my legs crossed and a family member came up to me and uncrossed my legs and said, boys don't sit like that. Oh my God. Fast forward, when I was nine, 
there were workers, uh, there was a worker, there was only one, I was, uh, I'm a latchkey kid, hi Gen X, and I was home alone, and there was someone who was building our pool, who knocked on the door and asked for water, and that's the first time I can remember a grown adult man looking at me sexually. Fast forward my adolescence, I was kind of an angry kid because I was stuck inside a character where I couldn't be who I wanted to be. And I, in my house and outside my house, was being told that homosexuality was wrong. And that if at that time, uh, given the tail end of the AIDS epidemic, that if one of the things that has cemented in my brain was being told that if I was gay, I'd probably die of AIDS. Fast forward, I'm about 13. I meet two women, well, not women at the time, uh, someone named Tara. I'm gonna get emotional, hold on. Someone named Tara and someone named Sarah. And with Tara and Sarah came Jennifer and Jackie and Irene and Vicky. <clears throat> and where I was trying to fit in to the masculine stereotypes where the boys didn't accept me, they said, come over here. We love you for who you are. Even though I wasn't out and figuring my own sexuality out, to this day, we're, we're all still friends. So I've always respected, I don't really care about the lines between masculine and feminine because I live in both, I honor both. I like both, I like both sides of myself, but it was strong female energy that protected me from the outside world and kept me safe. Adulthood came, I figured out who I was Fast forward, I have Katie, I have Crystal, I have Pix, I have Tara, I still have the other females from my life, and they have kept me safe and sane and creative and masculine and feminine. Uh, and I and I honor that and I, for me, I'm doing quotes for those who can't see me, for those, for me being a man, I wake up every day. Uh, when I was 15, I, I stole my parents' car we were on vacation to take my friend Sarah <laughs> to auditions for a musical. And I walked in and a woman, Pat Ferrari walked up to me, can you sing, can you dance? I'm like, I've never come over here. And it took my life on a course. I was welcomed into the arts, uh, a place where I was accepted. I could be athletic and creative at the same time. And I've made it my mission ever since to my con, I, I can only take care of my little corner of this blue marble. And I wake up and I've dedicated my life to bettering my community, bettering the arts, helping the people in my life who are my chosen family to 
do whatever I can to better their lives. I protect them as much as I can. I'm curious about them. I encourage them. I learn from them. I bond with them. I go through life, both good and bad, with them. And I feel like that makes me a very powerful man because I find power in all of you, basically. And then I just kind of jump on the wagon and say, I'm coming along for the ride, good or bad, I got your back. And we're gonna figure this out together. And let's just keep our little corner of the sky as happy as we can. And in my opinion, that's manhood and that's humanhood. I don't care about being a man or a woman. I look, I don't see a dress as man or woman or female or male. I don't see high heels as man or woman. I don't see cargo shorts as, you know, male or female. It's colors are colors. Art is the universal language. It doesn't, it transcends gender. It transcends sexuality. It's, it's, it saves basically. And so I, Sometimes I'm very good at doing it. Sometimes I struggle a little bit, given, given the day and my ADHD. But I've just, you know, I know people are probably tired of me harping on the lesson that legacy gave the community. Uh, but I'm not a Star Wars, I'm not a sci-fi Star Wars fanatic. I'm, I always say I'm nerd adjacent. I'm not cool enough to be a nerd. But what I did see was a documented example that will go beyond us of what it's like when people from all walks of life from around the planet have one common goal and show up daily to achieve it without ego, without hate with pure dedication and honestly love. I grew to love a lot of people that I, I didn't know before the project started. And I just think in the greater sense, uh, greater reaching further outside of that, it's a great example. And it's proven fact that that recipe works. It works, it works. Delve, Delve and I became friends through Legacy, same with Tara. And Delve and I had a lot of conversations about fatherhood. It, the show affected us in those terms. Uh, masculinity, I, I found top themes in that with myself. And we were having a conversation one time and Delve out of nowhere said, all right, man, love you. And I, and it, I paused because I felt the same for, I feel love for him, but it's not something I'm used to hearing from straight, you know, it's not like he just said it out of nowhere. And I was like, it carried me to, through the next day. And I was like, that's really cool that he felt so comfortable with me uh, to say that to me. And uh, I don't have a problem telling everybody I love him. I come from a place of love. And I think we all, we all should do that. And Another thing about, again, quotes, being a man is 
knowing when to humble yourself and realize that you don't always get it right. And with that, I want to apologize to you all who are my family, you're my sisters. And if I, if I somehow lacked in speaking up in the moment for you, I, I really didn't feel any anger towards the person in Delvin's podcast. Uh, I was having a conversation with myself and trying to be respectful of his platform. It would have been different had it been like, for example, Crystal's platform, I, I would have been a little bit different because I'm, I'm more familiar. Um, so I apologize if I didn't stand up in a way that I should have. It's another, it's a lesson learned that no matter how outspoken I am, no matter how I, I've been fighting for rights since I was 19 years old for the LGBTQ community, and I'm still learning. And um, yeah, I humble myself and, and, and I, I, I was in shock a little bit at what I was hearing and processing it. I tried to speak up. There were times where I didn't know if it was my place because it seemed like a black issue and there were two black men in the room. And so I was not sure whether it was my, it, I feel like it's always my place to defend my brother. Delvin is someone I love and respect. It's always my place to defend him, but there were two black men in the room and I, I was coin tossing in my mind. Do I speak up? I, I, have I spoken up too much? It was a little confusing, um, which is why I'm glad we've done this within our, our family. So again, you know, this is about humbling myself and respecting, I have the utmost respect for all of you. Uh, I learn from you every single day. I'm honored to know all of you, Tara, not so much Bandar. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, Bandar. Uh, Tara, same. <laughs> no, no, you're who I'm, you're who I'm looking for when the water wars start, trust me. Tara, you have changed me as a man, as, as a person, I've, I've been changed knowing you, all of you. And like I said, I will, all I can do is, is better, is learn and, and better myself. And I don't know, I think that's maybe what being a good human, man, woman is. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it with this. One of my favorite artists, Janelle Monet, her song, Crazy Classic Life. And I, I want this to apply to all of us and, and beyond me. We are not America's nightmare. We are the American dream. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. I love everything about that. Uh, this has been a very long conversation. It's going to be a fucking hilarious bitch for me to edit this, and I can't wait. Um, make Delvin help me. So, <laughs> no, he's always there. I want to thank everyone for lending us their time tonight um, and their viewpoints. We are not always going to get it right. We're just not. And I know that we live in this age where, I mean, listen, back in the day, we didn't have to worry so much about getting it wrong because if we didn't, it wouldn't go viral. You know, like now, I mean, you know, we worry about the things that we're going to say and this, that and the other. But I mean, we're human. We're not always going to get it right. 
And I think it's important for us to have these conversations and to be open and honest about that. And when it comes to gun violence and gun control in America and God, all the other issues that we have to tackle, we need to come at these with honesty. And I think the biggest thing here is that our love for each other has got to be greater than our fear. It has to be. It absolutely has to be. We are we, we, we need to be angry. We need to be loud. We need to push back against things. But ultimately, this has to come from a place of we just want to live in a world that is safe for us, do our things, go about our daily lives, and not have to worry about our kids in school or our kids in the street or our kids at home because an adult has made a choice to have something because they are afraid for reasons that they are not ready to deal with. If we are going to improve anything, we have to be able to sit with ourselves in reflection and honesty. And I know how hard that is. I think everybody on this panel has come from, uh, maybe not everybody, but I mean, Hannah, Bander, God, Alex, Delvin, myself, we have all been put in boxes that we have had to pull ourselves out of, Tara, all of us. So you are not alone in that. You are not alone in, man, I spent 30 years of my fucking life believing one thing and now you're telling me it's not true. Yeah, that's what we're saying. That's, that's what we're saying. And that moment sucks, but you need to be able to sit with that because people are dying for stupid reasons. Really stupid fucking reasons people are dying and we could fix it. So let's have open and honest conversations about how to do that and be less motivated by our fear of that and more motivated of why are we letting this happen? How can we stop it? What does that look like? What does gun control in America look like to you? What does a perfect world look like for you? And why aren't you fighting for it? Don't tell me you're tired. We all are. All right. That's it. Till next time, y'all. We're done. <laughs>